Yo, what's going on, guys? My name is Sky, aka Skybreak. Uh, I'm Dan, Paper Skies. And this is the first ever episode of the Skycast. Uh, Skycast is a brand new series where we're going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of our favorite up and comers in the bass music industry, along with some friends. Today, we have, in fact, brought some friends onto the scenes. Uh, yes, we've got Eric, aka Sora. Hi. And we have got James, aka Millennial Trash. Hello. They are a dynamic duo from Dallas, Texas, with several collaborations that have reached the ears of millions, including Nodden, which combines their signature styles and has gone on to receive over 500,000 streams on Spotify. They've both got releases on Circus Records, Rushdown, Disciple, and Monster Cat. Uh, Millennial Trash has actually recently featured on my EP Lumina. You can see the little poster back there. And uh, he's got an official remix for Funt Case and collabs with Chime and Prismatic, whereas Ace Aura has collabs with bass heavyweights like Subtronics, Tynan, Chime, and many others. They basically come together to make one of our favorite duos with really cool music and even cooler personalities, which you guys will be able to see <laughs> today. Hey, shucks. Shucks. Yeah, oh, shucks. Uh, let's, let's just get started simple, man. How are you, how are you guys doing today? I mean, I'm doing all right, personally. It's a little bit hot. It's getting Yeah, my, Monday was pretty warm. It was like 88 or something like that. Yeah, so it's, it's getting cranking. Yeah. So I walked outside in jeans, not expecting the 88, and I pulled out my phone to check, and I was like, that's why I'm sweating. So. <laughs> yeah, up in Canada, we're in like the middle of April and getting random rain and hail and occasional snow. It's been like super busted weather. I don't really understand it. <laughs> We, we did have busted agree. weather this winter. We got like oh, yeah. so much snow and ice and crazy stuff, but like to the point where we hadn't had it in like a hundred years. But um, oh, well, yeah, it was crazy. Doesn't seem to be affecting the bass industry much. I know, Eric, you've been uh, doing a couple things here and there with drive-in shows. Uh, how's the experience yeah. with that, man? That's that's a whole new way yeah. of like performing to people, right? Yeah, I mean, it's very different from the traditional show experience. Like it's good to have a form of kind of live experience with COVID, but it is very different. Like uh, it doesn't really feel as personal. I personally like really enjoy the experience of like early tight packed club where everyone's like right up against each other. Cause it feels much more like connected, but drive-ins like everyone's a million years away. <laughs> so it's a little different, but very grateful to be able to do that sort of thing with COVID and all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen that like pod experience where they've got like the little fenced off like cubes with a bunch of people just chilling in each one. And it's like it looks something like something out of like a sci fi film. It's super, <laughs> super trippy. It's definitely a little weird, but it's what we got right now. And it looks like things are starting to get better. So that's yeah, really nice. Before things really started to get rocky, uh, we've seen in the past that you guys have done some back-to-backs, if I'm correct, together, um, some shows. Oh, yeah. So for people who are maybe just you know hearing about your music for the first time now through the podcast, which I don't assume is going to be many, the names for both of you guys have been going absolutely everywhere all over the internet. But uh, tell us a little bit about your style and the sort of music that you're making right now. James, you go first. No, 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 no. No, no. Fine. All right. Yeah, fine. you. Fine. I make what I like to call melodic rhythm. Uh, I combine kind of the heavier elements of the rhythm style of dubstep with the more melodic side of dubstep. And I try to combine those into one element as much as I possibly can, rather than kind of separating the two. Um, And that's just kind of what I've been doing. I've been incorporating elements of trance, uh, a genre called hard wave a lot more recently, just kind of taking all my musical inspirations and fusing them into one thing. James, yeah. Um, for me, I write kind of whatever 
in the electronic music world. I've done drum and bass. I've done dubstep house music with my old alias. It was a lot of house music. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm more influenced by the UK side of stuff with the big one note riff kind of wobble bass lines. Um, and also the stuff that's in drum and bass right now has been, they're all kind of meshing together to create this kind of cool, weird hybrid thing. So yeah, just kind of all over the place. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um, I'm really, really excited to see you guys finally both get back on the stage together. Um, Definitely. Do you Me have, too. Do you have any plans too. in terms of uh, any stuff that you might be working on together as a group or anything as a duo? It's it's nice to have you both on here. And uh, I know throughout the whole history that I've seen you guys since getting involved at Rushdown and everything, you've always really stuck together. Any Any plans there? I mean, as far as shows, I don't think we have anything lined up, but we did just drop a collection of Nodden remixes that were yes. pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, we, we put out a remix LP because, sure, it's a pandemic. <laughs> we're going to freaking do it. Um, yeah, it's it's freaking dope. We wrote Nodden 2. That's the first track on there. And then a whole bunch of talented producers are on that. And there's literally all the... Re- I love all the remixes. They're, they're yeah. all incredible. I'm what not going to try like- to list them all because I'm going to forget someone. I'm going to feel really bad. So... What was it like curating 13 remixes for one song? Like, how did you get all these people on board? And, like, you know, I don't know. Like, wasn't it like a logistical nightmare trying to get these people to all finish Um, one song at one time? Like, surprisingly, not really, because Landon really helped out with a lot of the organization. Um, And also, we really had a pretty loose time frame on when to get these done. Like, we sent out stems, what was it, like, October of last year? Or, like, September of last year, and we were like, hey, these exist, have fun, you know, just let us know what happens. Yeah. And then... Like around January, February time frame, we started getting links from people and we were like, oh, okay, this is turning out pretty cool. (laughs) That's crazy. So, And Landon being uh, the three of you guys is actually manager, correct? Yeah. Yeah. How does it it feel working all under the same management, having all of this like melodic talent just grouped together? Are you guys excited to maybe, you know, eventually be doing like big activities together? It's really fun. Uh, I enjoy all of the people that land and manages, and it's really cool that I'm like particularly close to James and Skybreak, and, like everyone in that kind of realm. And so it's cool having all of that kind of similar sound combined into one small group that Landon's able to like push forward. Would you guys kind of say the group you know? like feeds off of each other away for inspiration and ideas? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're we're always texting each other whips and and just like, hey, check this out, or hey, check this out, and and feeding off of each other like that. That's great. Sure, definitely. And also what's, what's great about Landon is despite him kind of making it all into a family, like we got our group chat, we all kind of hit each other up for like plates and whatever. He also is able to put the focus into each project so they all have their own unique identity. Like I know this is an interview about y'all, not me. But it's like <laughs> my experience. <laughs> but man, my, my experience with him has been very good on that front. Like I never feel like I'm kind of basking in the shadow of Eric or anything. You know, I think it's always... He's pushing everyone to their full limit, and then everyone being friends is kind of like another level of it. Yeah, it's it's like a, it's like icing on the cake. Moving over into a completely different category, uh, uh, recently by the time this comes out, uh, Eric, you have dropped a collab with Subtronics. Oh uh, yeah. What, what was it like? <laughs> what was it like working with him when you guys have such drastically different theologies and brands? <laughs> it was, uh, 
really interesting. Like, uh, of course, I always have to make sure whatever I release is kind of like on brand with like me and my style. Like, I'm a Christian. That's a very big part of what I do. Yeah. And so we had to like make sure to keep it clean. He was totally on board with that. There was no issue there. Um, the way that came about was we have the same booking agent. And he put us together on a few drive-in shows. And we had played like three or four together. So we had seen each other quite a bit. And I was thinking and I was like, our styles combined would be like really unique and something that no one had really heard before. And so I walked up to him after one of the shows and I was like, hey, we should work on something like this would be really cool. And he's like, you know what? You're right. And so I sent him stems. He worked on it. And then I worked on it. And that became Resist. So, yeah. Nice. There you go. That's crazy, you know, how you combine this, like, super nice, geeky, melodic rhythm stuff with, like, super stonery, you know, in the club <laughs> headbanging stuff. But it actually exactly. works, like, really well. And it's like, it yeah, works, I mean, it works. I really like interesting collabs like that. Especially, like, I'm sure you guys have heard by now the Must Die and Scream and Echios collab, right? Yeah, big too. Oh, yeah. Like, no one expects that to be a thing. And then you listen to it and you're like, wow, this... Should be a thing. It's so it nice. Works. It's so nice. It's real good. It's so pretty. <laughs> I think those off-genre uh, collaborations are the best ones because it's almost like when you have two artists that have a really, really refined sound and know exactly what they're trying to do with their own approach, you can take that into any genre. You know, I think for mm-hmm. the both of you, uh, Eric, with this melodic rhythm and as off-camera discussed, uh, this Yoi-based kind of trend that Millennial Trash has been following, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's really cool to see how you can take your sound as an artist and push it into a different genre. And I think, uh, Eric, you working with Subtronics, like you've got two completely different niches there and you've managed to, you know, create this electronic baby that makes some great dubstep. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's fun. Like, I think uh, a big part of being a musician, I think part of what makes music fun is creating something of your own and then just kind of branching off of that and doing whatever you want with it. Um, I always find that like when I'm looking through social media or listening to my favorite artist's music, um, the ones that are having the most fun to me are the ones that are making the best music. Um, and part of that fun process is being feeling creatively free to like do whatever with whoever. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Opening up your process more. Um, speaking of trying things, you know, a little bit out of the genre realm, uh, question for you, James, um, back mm-hmm. when you were under the alias reflect, you had worked with your friend, uh, Artur Nelson. I hope I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. took a bit of a step away from dubstep, uh, into more of like a Madion esque pop, like melodic kind of thing. Um, yeah. How was it working more out of your genre and producing for somebody else and their vision and their track? So, so Will and I, we went to college together, and in college, we didn't really talk to each other all that much. Like, okay. I was a, I was a music business major. He was a, um, a biblical studies major, I think, or something along those lines. It was some theology based thing. We we went to a Baptist university together. Gotcha. And. Um, he ended up leaving the university like a year after I got there. And then we connected like a year later through a mutual friend. And I've always loved making just really ethereal patty kind of stuff just Mm -hmm. for fun. I'll literally sit here sometimes with the keys and just play a chord, hold the pedal and go just ear candy. Yeah. (laughs) Just like that. Yeah. (laughs) It's nice. It's nice sometimes, you know? Um, So Will and I started working together and we, we actually have like eight tracks right now that are like done. It's it's kind of almost a full length album Dang. and Dang. they're all pretty cool. Like we tapped into some like the 1975s production style nice. and all kinds of stuff like that. And it's it's pretty cool. Like um, it's also really nice that for dubstep and the kind of stuff that I like to make, there's not really like 
a right answer, if that makes sense, for yeah. the genre. Like, there's no... You can just do whatever you want to. Yeah. I mean, when I heard Sky's track that I did the vocals on, I was like, uh... Oh, excuse me? What? <laughs> yeah, sure thing, bro. <laughs> Calm down, please. Um, <laughs> uh... But it's nice to make a genre of music that has more of a formula to it because you, you're, my brain likes that too, where you, if you put two and two together, you'll come out with four. If yeah. you put you know, an 808 and a Moog together, you're going to get this cool kind of the weekend vibe and it's yeah. going to sound cool. Yeah. The follow-up sure. to that, I think you answered it a little bit there, James, by saying that you have all these tracks in the works, but um, are you guys working <laughs> on anything outside of the dubstep realm that you're excited for, have maybe even for the potential far, far future, you know, as, as careers take off? Uh, so there's one track that we've been working on where he is just giving me free reign to kind of do whatever production stuff I want to. Nice. Um, and just kind of make the drop as ridiculous as possible. And he really likes Eric's stuff too, like all the color basey kind of things. So I'm going to try to incorporate some of that in there. Right. So I'm not working on a ton of stuff that is outside the dubstep realm, but I've noticed that like, I went through a pretty bad writer's block a couple of months ago, or I guess like a month ago-ish. Can I interrupt real quick? Yes. Can I interrupt real quick? So yeah, he knows exactly what I'm going to say. Uh, it, so we were trying to get together to work on Nodden 2. I think this was in January. Okay. And yeah. he came over to my place and we were sitting, like he was literally sitting right there. I was sitting right here. We were working and we sat for like three hours straight and literally got nothing done. Nothing. nothing. <laughs> we sat here and we're just like messing around and literally no progress was made. Yeah, and we were nice. like, let's just revisit this in like a couple of weeks. Yeah. No, dude, that happens a lot. Everyone expects like IRL collabs to be this like super easy, free flowing thing. And frankly, I don't know. I, I'm always a bit more of an introvert. I have to do like a bunch of stuff and then pass the stems or else I carry it. Like uh, I've met up with Dan's demand in person a few times now. And it, the, the running joke is we cannot get a collab past eight bars because we'll always <laughs> really? find something to do with it. Yeah, no, like we got one past eight bars and then we mutually agreed we hate this. <laughs> so, yeah, no. I feel like collaborating in person is a little bit difficult for me because I guess it's just like a change of environment it would be the main thing like even when James and I work together usually it's the case where we're like working on different sections like when we worked on Nodden 2 I was working on that like last hard wave drop for the most part on my laptop on the couch and he was working on like the first drop and the intro mostly on his computer and so it's like it's kind of hard for me at least to like work on something on the same device with someone and like bounce back ideas that way. Yeah, and especially because we mix and master differently, like yeah. Oh, like yeah. a lot yeah. differently. And I, I'm happy with the way that it turned out, but for a second there, I was a little scared that it wouldn't translate, but it did. It did. It worked. Yeah, it's always tough sometimes, I think, to figure out, you know, who's going to do that final mix down, that final master, especially if, like you said, you have two very different ways of going about it, but, you know, you both do it in a pristine way. Like it sounds clean, it sounds quality on both ends, but it's different, right? Um, do you think there's a setting that exists where collaborations can be easier like that? Because in my experience, trying to do in-person collaborations with people, if it's, you know, in their home, just like sitting in their room with my laptop, trying to get ideas out, it's always super challenging because you're not in a super musical space. You're hanging out with your friend who you don't see often. You want to go out and do things with them. You want to be excited True. and be physical. But um, when I've gone to an actual studio space where the whole idea of you being there is you've rented it out and you've paid cash kind of to like work specifically on music. Um, have you ever had any experiences like that before? The way I prefer to work on collabs is to pass them back and forth over the internet. Yeah. Either through stems or project files. I find that that allows me um, kind of space to like be in my own head to work on something 
and then when we pass it back, like they're in their own head to work on it. It's like I think sometimes collaborating in person can be difficult because so many ideas going around at once can be kind of hard to put into one thing. If that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Eric and Artur are the only two people that I've really worked with IRL for collabs, and I haven't really collabed with too many other people. I like taking my sweet time with music, and I put stuff out whenever it's ready. Um, So collabs don't really fit that style, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, as far as like the collabs that I've done, passing them back and forth on the internet, even though Eric lives 20 minutes away from me. Yeah. Like it's even, it's easier to just send a Facebook link. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 There definitely is a lot of pressure uh, in collabs that like, you got to get it all done and there's got to be this perfect blend of styles or whatever. I've found a lot of the time when I'm doing collaborations with other people, it's, it's, it doesn't usually go like that. Usually it's like one person does a lot of the work and <laughs> that's it because one person gets into the mindset and the other doesn't and i think mm. you can't really rush music especially when you sit down and have like a dedicated session for it so yeah you say you live 20 minutes away from each other you know the in-person collaborations don't seem to work as well as the facebook ones and in my personal experience again having that studio space and renting that out totally works um eric when you said there that you haven't actually ever worked in a studio before it's little experiences like that that without sounding like too rude i would assume that the both of you guys have had with the level of production that you're at and the stats that you've reached so this kind of moves into a little bit of a more sensitive uh topic perhaps but do you think that covid has kind of prevented you guys from experiencing some of you know the uh, the opportunities you might have received uh with where your careers are going right now yes Right before COVID happened, I was uh, scheduled to go on tour with Ulusile and Ominous. Wow. And then the first tour date was going to be in like either April or May. And then March is when COVID hit and everything shut down. And so I was really bummed about that. Yeah. yeah. But, um, that sucked. So that happened. But I think there were also a lot of good things that came from it. Um, it allowed me a chance to really focus on my production, on the music. And a lot of other opportunities came as a result. I'm not sure if I would have been added to a United Talent Agency under Jake and stuff, if there wasn't a point where they were like, hmm, we're not making a lot of money. Let's take on more artists. I'm yeah. sure that was part of the process. And so like, um, I'm sure there were a lot of good things that came from it as well. But it definitely was a bummer for a while. The, I mean, the short answer is a thousand percent yes. Uh, <laughs> when I rebranded as Millennial Trash and stuff, I had kind of a game plan going for, hey, I got this EP. I'm, I'm going to do a single here with Chime. I'm going to do, you know, do a single here with Eric and this kind of thing, and then try to relaunch really hard in 2020. And yeah, that just kind of put a stint in the plan a little bit. But um, again, like Eric said, it gave me time to focus on production stuff. And uh, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, write all the songs with Artur. Yeah. I wouldn't be working on this new EP that I'm working on right now. Wink, wink. Um <laughs> I also like. I play drums in a band as well. <laughs> oh, that was going to be one of our or, questions, or, actually. Was, was it really? We'll get to that next. Then. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So we we ended up recording uh, all of our parts separately, but we recorded a live record of our first EP. Ooh. So okay. oh, over the quarantine, so that was really fun, and we wouldn't have done that without the pandemic hitting. So. Going back to that kind of drums thing, I'm a drummer as well. How do you guys think that um, initial perception of rhythm that you gain when you like play a bunch of drums 
How do you think that's affected your DJing and production? And <laughs> Eric, how you write stuff? Eric Seal, sir, well, would you like to answer this question? I'd love to. Uh, I also played drums in middle and high school. Six, three of us. Um, yeah, and I was in the band program in middle and high school as well. And so I think that's where I got a lot of my inspiration for my sound. Uh, if you notice in a lot of my songs, I use the marimba. It's not necessarily an every song thing, but it's yeah. an instrument I like to use a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I discovered that instrument in high school, actually, through um, marching band. I played in the what's called the front ensemble my freshman and sophomore years there. The pit. Yeah, the pit. And then I was also in the drum line my junior and senior year. And that's I had a few in drum line uh, elements in some of my songs as well. Nice. So. It definitely inspired the way I produce a lot. And it kind of um, also helped me to realize that drums are super important in electronic music. Uh, I really didn't wrap my mind around that as much until like the past few months, actually. Um, That's something I've been working a lot on on my more recent tracks. It's like the sounds you select for your drums are super duper important. For my first EP, I was experimenting a lot with just like straight up drum breaks because that's kind of what they do in the drum and bass world is it's the amen break and only the amen break. You know (laughs) what I mean? And people just go absolutely bonkers in the club over it. Yeah. Um, So I was trying a lot of experimentation with just having raw drums. So like in losing my mind in the B section of the first drop, there's just two instances where it's raw drums and that's it. And my drummer brain really, really liked that. And so I'm trying to incorporate that some more. Um, But I usually start all of my projects with the drums and then build the melody around that because melodies can vary in different cultures. You know what I mean? Like different cultures have different scales. There's been different scales, you know, throughout the past as well. But rhythm and drums and that kind of... Um, like old school tribalness to it, mm. I feel brings people together more than melodies do. But again, I'm a drummer, so I'm biased. So, you know, what do I know? <laughs> I do agree with that for sure. Nah, I, I get that totally. Like, okay, for instance, the, the song I Want Candy, you know what I'm talking about? When those drums start up at the beginning, everybody knows what track Everyone it is. Goes, <laughs> Everyone knows what it is. And there's been so many different versions of that song over the years, like so many different covers and stuff like that. But they all start off with that groove, and everyone knows what it is. Kind of branching off of that, uh, when I was in jazz band in high school, one of the most valuable lessons I ever had from my jazz band teacher was he sat down with his guitar and he said, uh, you can play whatever the hell you want. Uh, if it's in rhythm, it'll sound like you're actually doing it intentionally. So then first he played like he got like the band to vamp and then he played a bunch of you know like notes in key but with no rhythm and it sounded like a fucking train wreck (laughs) then he just played all this dissonance with rhythm and we were like oh okay this is actually kind of cool and i kind of kept that in mind i'm like if you if anything works (laughs) with with like a good rhythm then like what possibilities that that open i mean not obviously anything works if you're doing chromatic dissonance that's kind of terrible i think that's why rhythm is such a like a hot commodity right now is because it's literally a basic drum beat with a basic synth line basic i'm, I'm talking about as far as notation goes not yeah. sound design goes because that's a whole other ballpark yeah um but it's it's that simple everybody can get with this everybody can clap to this you know, it, it unifies the club in an instant. And so you guys both made your Rushdown debut roughly in 2018. 
Um, and it's it's been a long time. I've you know oh, almost four that. years now, yeah. right? Jeez. Crazy to think. Um, and I remember personally when I was on Rushdown, seeing Eric and uh, join for the first time and hearing Ensnared, I was like, whoa, this is a totally new sound. And I was kind of like on the fence with it, not in the way that I either liked it or didn't like it, but I was like, does this have the opportunity to become something more, or is this kind of like a one-off tune? And then he's going to continue going back to the dubstep stuff that I was hearing on 99 Lives when you were releasing with them. Right. Um, and you did. You, you pushed the style completely and turned it into, you know, what now is kind of considered color base. Um, do you guys think uh, that your styles have changed a lot since your Rushdown debut? Only a little bit like that first release. Was it really the what set up your style? I think it depends on who you ask. Um, to me, I feel like my sound has changed a lot since the early Rushdown days of my releases. Um, I feel like if you'd ask someone that wasn't familiar with my music, they'd be like, oh, these both sound pretty similar. Well, I guess uh, at the beginning of Rushdown, you were talking about releasing Ensnared. At that point, I really hadn't kind of infused the melody with the heaviness like I wanted to. Like, mm -hmm. it still felt separate. And I think over time, I've been able to better mesh those into one element. Like, the heavy elements are melodic. And I've also started to incorporate some more elements from different genres. Um, like I've started really trying to incorporate the trancey kind of stuff in my song Flow in 2019. Kind of took a little bit of a break from that, but now I'm starting to add it in there a little bit more again. Um, adding stuff from Hardwave, I released a song or a, a remix for Nerco a little bit ago that um, has two Hardwave drops and then two melodic rhythm drops. I think uh, over time, I'm just starting to feel a little bit more free and just incorporate more elements from other styles that I've enjoyed throughout my life, like uh, hard wave, uh, dance, dance revolution type stuff. Yeah. Just that kind of thing. I remember you telling us all the time in the rushdown chat, how you inspired you were by a lot of must die stuff. And eventually he came out to support you and uh, a lot of the works that you were doing. So it's cool to see things kind of come full circle. Now you have like taken inspiration from artists like must die um, and really crafted it into your own thing. And now it is the ace aura sound that everyone's trying to replicate. Right. What about you, James? Um, moving on to, to you and your music. Yeah, I would definitely say so. And a lot of it comes from hanging out with Eric because uh, he sent me, the first time we hung out and had a production thing together, he sent me like a bunch of Ableton racks that he had made. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I started putting that on everything. And uh, I have now kind of modified all the racks that he sent me to these things that I, I call one of them the idiot rack because you can put it on anything and it makes it sound a thousand percent better. Um, and it's got a whole bunch of cool macros and stuff, but Sick. yeah, when, when holding on came out, chime actually mixed that song. I sent him the stems for it and then he mixed it himself. Okay. Um, wow. cause I was out of the country during that time. So what happened cool. was, um, I had the stems put up on my Dropbox like right before I left because I was what I, I had a friend that uh, he mixes like gospel stuff and he just wanted to take a whack at one of my songs. He was just like, just send send me stems, it'll be fun. I was like, okay, cool. So I had the stems ready to go and then I sent them over to him and he mixed it and sent me um, the the final mix and uh, that's when I was like I should probably start talking to, to these people about how to make music and stuff like that and then once I started doing that um, my I feel like my music elevated to the next level for sure um, and then like in 2018-2019 that's when I started getting really back into drum and bass and um, started kind of in, in trying to go more that direction and then that's where the Funk Case one came out which the Funk Case remix was a bit of a fluke I don't know in my mind like 
Landon sent me the stems one day and was like, hey, these exist. Um, put them on the back burner. Don't worry about it. Focus on your EP. And I was like, cool. But they're fun case stems. So I immediately opened them and started working on them. <laughs> yeah. um, you gotta. You gotta. And so yeah. I, I, I was playing it at the original tempo and just kind of getting the stems organized. And I was listening to uh, Spotify at the time and a high contrast song came on with like this incredible female vocalist on it. I can't remember what song it was. I was like, oh my God, I need to do this at 174. And I did 174 and then it went from there. And uh, I sent it to Landon. He sent it over to Funkcase and Funkcase was like, yep, yeah, that's the one we're using. And I was like, really? You don't want another mix or anything? He's like, nope, it's good. And release it. It's like, shit, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, that, that kind of touches back upon that like full circle concept because again, you're inspired by that you know Flux Doctor P circus sound, and now you're Dude, almost I, like a resident artist there. You got like three it, or four tracks there. It's so weird. I my my buddy Eric, that different buddy named Eric. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> he was my he was my neighbor growing up, like across the street, and uh, his dad had this sick huge hi-fi sony sound system in his garage and we used to go in there and he plays drums too so we would set up our drum sets together and like play system of a down and gorillas and stuff which is the music blaring but when we discovered dubstep like 2008 2009 2010 we played like a lot of the circus stuff and cookie monsters just entire discography at that time was like the nastiest thing i'd ever heard in my life and um i i Circus Records became like one of my favorite things after that, and now that like I have some songs on there, it's really weird. Like it doesn't feel like it sh it, it exists still. See your name on the the covers and everything. I yeah, that's why it. like on SoundCloud, I still have my cover photo as the Funk Case remix. So like remind myself. Like yeah, other stuff has I come did. out. Yeah, that's but that's up there because that's like a I I freaking did that. You know. Yeah. Big accomplishment. Sure, yeah. You should be proud, man. Um, I think we've uh, reached the 30 minute mark of the interview, which means that we should probably get to our, our final segment that we have planned. I was about to say, is this ad time? We've done, no, not the ad time. <laughs> Check out Rushdown. No, um, yeah. we, uh, we did a little bit of a deep dive on some of your profiles, like we said before we got started here, and we've, we've gathered some information. I've got quite a few yeah. questions about Eric. I think uh, Sky has no. quite a few about James. So okay, I yeah. think it's about time we start firing those off. But before we get into the, the big question portion, yeah. how did you guys eventually uh, meet, and what got you started in producing music together, firstly? Oh, this is a cool story. It was, I think I had been producing for like three, maybe four years at this point still was not very good by any stretch of the imagination but um i went to a church in mckinney called christ fellowship and for one of their youth group activities they were like we're gonna put together this like paint party thing we're gonna have a dj that's playing electronic music and it's gonna be cool and honestly i didn't want to go because um i heard like dubstep and christian activity and like i'm a christian that's like a big part of yeah. like what i do and like my life but i was like this is going to be cheesy and i'm going to hate this and so i didn't want to go but um i heard like there's going to be a dj there right and so i go over uh to the event because i was like i want to maybe meet this guy since i make dubstep too and i go there James opens with an edit of the VeggieTales theme song and then goes into <laughs> oh my God. Borg by oh Virtual my God. Riot and Funt Case. And I was like, all right, I got to meet this guy. Holy um, shit, dude. It was an amazing set. It was a really cool event, too. Just all around like an awesome experience. And um, I talked to him afterward. I think this was like right after you started dating Morgan, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. She was, okay. this was like a couple months after, yeah. Yeah, because 
like, yeah, you were over there with her and I went over to talk to you and I was like, dude, that was so cool. Uh, you want to stay in contact? And I think we added each other on Facebook. And then I don't think we talked again for at least a few months. Um, how did we end up working together on what was so the track? Monster? What, what had happened was, okay. um, we, so, so the monster track, we'll come back to that. But, um, <laughs> I was on 99 lives at the time I was releasing with them. And then I sent them your stuff and then your stuff came out and then you got on rushdown and then you sent chime my stuff. So it was like, I scratch your back, you scratch yeah. mine kind of situation. Yeah. Um, but for Monsta, we had some friends in the local Dallas scene that were putting together like a compilation of, um, just like local Dallas artists doing collaborations together. It was just kind of like a cool little thing. And um, I think we had just been talking and we were both in the scene and we were like, screw it, let's try to make something. And then you came over to my place and then we sat down and made Monsta, which was um, such a weird thing for both of us. Because like, it's just yeah. not our style at okay. all. But well, it was something, it I was. think at the time it was. Now it's, it, it, as I would say at the time it was probably our most, in quotes, controversial in our goopy artist brain, gotcha. you know, tracks. Because yes. we, we were kind of pushing ourselves out of our own comfort zone. Um, but yeah, it was just like this little local Dallas compilation thing. It was fun to work on. Like, uh, To be fair, we yeah, we, we, we discovered a lot of cool sounds with that. We, we did oh, yeah. make a lot of... We, we were like, oh, we need to save that one. Oh, we should save that preset. Oh, yep, we got to save that one too. It, I think that's when I building block. initially sent you those uh, racks as well. Yeah, that was that, that time. Yeah. Okay. So it was a good experience overall, for sure. There we go. Egad. There you go. Did you just say Egad? Egad. Yeah, why not? I I say all this weird bullshit, man. (laughs) You freaking Yankees, bro. Yeah, all right. Whatever, man. We got this north-south divide going, I see. All right. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Skybreak Millennium Trap Tussle. All right. Yeah, Dan, you can commentate because you're not in the country. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll just be sitting on the sidelines announcing everything. (laughs) Mm. Up there with a true Canadian hair and weed, bro. Yeah. You're just like chilling, sitting there laughing. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. Should we move on to the fun part of the podcast? Hey, this guy, I want you to start off strong. I want you to start off strong, buddy. I'm right. scared, man. What, James? Uh, your '92 Miata, your pride and joy. Tell us about it a little bit. All right, so. May of this year will be three years of ownership for me for that car. Congratulations. Um, I have always been into cars. My first word was car. Like, it was not mom or dad. It was car. Amazing. Um, I've just always cool. loved them. They're the, the, the most human material thing, I think, that we have. Because your car is kind of an extension of you. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's the way you take care of it. It's the way you present it. Um, but I've done quite a bit to it. I've uh, replaced most of the suspension, wheels, tires, um, done some deletes it's fully straight piped it's kind of loud and smelly and i love it it burns a lot of oil and it pops and bangs and shoots flames sometimes it's freaking sweet man to continue on there um have you tried to find any way potentially of like showing your love of like automotives and cars in your your music or your branding in any kind so i have a song coming out this month <laughs> okay oh now we've got God, some tea go. i got a song coming out this month so uh i got a song coming out this month on grave dancer and it's called knock the album art for it or the album or the single art is literally going to be the uh stock 1.6 from the miata because they are plagued with this issue when they get old called rod knock 
where if you hear rod knock, your engine is basically screwed and you have to get another one and throw it in there. I, I have a song that I've had on my hard drive since like 2018. I don't want to say what it is, but if you go listen to Eric and I's back-to-back at low frequencies on his oh, SoundCloud yeah. from okay. back in the day, it is in that mix somewhere. Well, um, actually, and we don't know is, when this uh, when this podcast will be premiering, so there's a very high chance, actually, that Knock by Millennial Trash is out now for streaming. Hello. Yeah, so, go stream that if it's out, please. If that's go the case, it. yeah, feel free to go I, check I it out. I am very poor, so... <laughs> <laughs> All the revenue we get, yeah. please. When that one comes out, it's it's... I think it's about six minutes long, and there's like ASMR stuff in it too. And I'm like trying to tell like a full story. Oh yeah, crazy! I'm I'm gonna take y'all to church on that one. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't gotten to use these yet, but I have visuals, live visuals now, done by the ever talented Monsta on Instagram. He made me like a GIF of me driving my Miata, and the headlights are going up and down. That's amazing. And it's like. (laughs) Ed, Ed and Eddie was my favorite cartoon growing up, so it, the art style is very similar to that in all of my visuals. So whenever shows come back for me, I am very much looking forward to throwing those up. Cool connection. I want nice. to see that. Yeah. Moving to uh, to Eric, I've got some some oh, stuff no. on you. So you've oh, been <laughs> you've been interested you in music, if I'm correct, since you've been eight years old, and you downloaded the full version of Pro Tools when you were 13. And immediately after downloading Pro Tools, you started the Ace Aura vlog series. Um, oh no. <laughs> Oh no! In that vlog series, you like to show us some of your upcoming music that you've got coming out, some of your work oh, in progress, yeah. the equipment that you're working with. Uh, so the first question that I've I've really found from those vlogs: uh, What happened to your Nutcracker remix? Yeah, dude, the poor Nutcracker remix is gone. So that was my first thing I think that I had planned to release and then didn't release. So what happened there was I started working on it, and of course, a lot of my earlier stuff just wasn't great because I wasn't good at producing yet but that one like i think i've for most of my life had a pretty good sense of like what works musically and what doesn't and like i've had a i guess a pretty good taste for most of my life and i was making that remix and i was like this sounds really bad and so i stopped working (laughs) on it and didn't release it in your uh in your second vlog is when you announced that the nutcracker remix wouldn't come to fruition uh everyone was very sad about it um but what actually might have made that decision, you mentioned that your Carol of the Bells remix wasn't too well received because it wasn't too dubstepy, it wasn't too bass heavy, it was more <laughs> just like a written out kind of tune, right? Do you think that those initial comments when you were younger of people telling you, oh, this isn't dubstep enough, may have been what helped push you in the direction of dubstep? That was a very good question that I had not thought about before. Of course, like any input I receive is going to affect my mind subconsciously. <laughs> but I think I'd always been pretty set on making dubstep like 140 to 150 kick on one snare on three sort of stuff gotcha um using drums that had no business being in dubstep at all stuff like that and that was all stuff i came to learn over the course of years that i took to learn making music honestly if anything that kind of helped guide me in the direction of what i was trying to do in the first place mm-hmm. um because when i was learning how to produce like my only resource was youtube like i didn't really have any people around me that were learning to produce i was like 14 yeah um, and so just looking at YouTube videos and stuff, like I didn't know anything. I didn't know how important sample selection was. I didn't know where to find good samples. I was just using the stock stuff and pro tools. Don't do that. Um, but it was, of course it was a process. And I think uh, the only reason I like, was able to stick through it and continue on to like where I am now is because I enjoyed the process. Oh God. All right. And, uh, James, 
Just clap if you want us to cut this out. <laughs> so, uh, James, uh, it's interesting that in 2012 you scored an official remix slot on Skrillex Revenge of the Synth EP on iTunes. Uh, can you let us know how you how you kind of scored that? Wait, what? According to your Instagram in 2012, uh, uh, you have a, an official remix of Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites on Skrillex Revenge of the Synth EP. I do. On iTunes. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. Millennial trash well, exposed. Know, but I'm I'm willing to take the plunge. Live on Skycast. So okay, Revenge Revenge of the Synth was a remix EP that I put out before I knew what copyright law was. And uh, I put it up like on CD maybe or something like that, and it had four remixes on it. It had uh Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger by Daft Punk. It had The Island Part 1 by Pendulum. I did a remix of that. Good song. Um, Every Teardrop is a Waterfall by Coldplay. I did a remix of that. Uh, Yeah. And the the last one, I'm trying to remember what it was. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hold on. Do I still have this? Yeah. So back in 2013, my car got robbed in uh, downtown Dallas, and they stole my laptop and my... um, Oh, no. Uh, tractor controller at the time. Sorry to hear. Which sucked. And I actually had to sell a drum set to re-up on a new computer and everything. What the heck, dude? Wow, that is a deep dive. I completely forgot I did a remix of that. <laughs> we tried. Wow. <laughs> nice one. To please. Okay, moving back to Eric. Um, <laughs> you had a, a 50 subscriber special that you posted on your YouTube page, uh, thanking everybody for all the immense support that you were receiving at the time um, and showing yes. off your setup, all of the gear that you were using. And you had, you had some pretty nice pieces back in the day, I can't lie. You know, your, your speaker setup, your interface, pretty clean. But one thing that struck me was your M Audio Key Studio keyboard. Um, it's the first thing that you have actually in front of your laptop and what that tells me usually is that you're using it for some sort of production um, Did you find that back in the day you were using your keyboard actually a lot in writing melodies or for producing and do you still have that process nowadays? Actually, that's a good question, too. So at the time I did use that keyboard to get melodies and ideas down or at least to like Mess around and find something that worked and then I'd write it down in the doll with like the piano roll or whatever uh, I don't do that anymore. I kind of just go straight to the piano roll, try out notes. I do think the workflow of playing something on a keyboard, even if you're just messing around, really does help with coming up with melodies and ideas. So I'd like to incorporate that again uh, in the future. But another interesting thing is the monitors that I had in that video and the audio interface are the ones that I still use now. Like literally my headphones and mic are plugged into that focus right wow. audio interface. Well, it's on its way out. Special. It's not sounding so good sometimes anymore, but it, I still have it. And I still use it. I don't have any left on James. One, so if you want to ask the <laughs> the one for Eric. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid. <laughs> so the Asora page on YouTube gave us a whole lot of insight about you and your brand and, you know, your start as Asora under the alias. But we can even move a little bit further uh, before the Asora alias. Um, and I want to ask, can you tell us a little bit about the Mega Block Arsenal, if you're familiar Holy with that? <laughs> <laughs> How did you find my other YouTube account? All right. So I've always been a fairly creative fellow, right? Uh, whether it be with music or otherwise. And I went through a phase in middle school where, you know, I made those vlogs. That was all middle school, too. But... Um, I also liked to make these really funny videos with my brother. I made some videos as like school projects, 
but Mega Block Arsenal is because I have a little sister. Um, she's 11 now. At the time, she was much younger. And she had Mega Blocks. And I was like looking at them and I was like, I could make guns out of these. And so I did. <laughs> and I made a video and the music in the background was like, was it like August Burns Red or something? Yeah, uh, crazy. Some, some rock. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> well, fun to hear. I mean, the one thing to take away from it, I think, is that like you've always been creating content. You know, ever since before ASOR and everything, it seems like you were interested in being online and posting things for other people to watch. So seeing that start at the Mega Block Arsenal, it was it was a good starting point for sure to to get some cool information. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so glad I unlisted all my videos, man. <laughs> we would I have, have found one. <laughs> I gotta check my old channel now. I had one that was like a clickbaity, like the most powerful Nerf gun in the world video, where I just like shot a regular Nerf gun and then edited like a gunshot sound effect in a muzzle flashing. <laughs> I think we're getting close to uh, to wrapping things up, but <laughs> thank you for being on. It's it's been a great time. Um, last thing, I guess, before we head off. What should we expect from you uh, in the coming few months? Uh, in the near future, I've got a few shows lined up, so be on the lookout for ASOR shows in your area. A few releases, one self-release. I have not done an original self-release in a very long time. Um, so more releases on labels that I will not specify, with people I will not specify. Uh, for me, I got Naka's coming out in May, so that'll be out by the time the podcast is out. So go stream that bad boy. Perfect. And uh, other than that, hopefully by the time this is done, that one song that I was talking about is also done, and that will complete my EP, and then it will Ooh. be released at some point, sometime, hopefully like late summer, early fall. So some shows, an EP. If you got some big exciting things coming from the both of you guys. Um, but I think that about wraps it up. Thank you so much for coming on to the yeah. podcast today. It's been a great time talking with you guys. Um, very excited to hear all these new releases. And I think that's about it. We'll catch you guys later. For sure. Thank Adios, you. everybody. Bye. Bye. Signing off. Bye-bye. See ya. <laughs>